All right, everyone, I'm back with more stories. It's been a very long time since I've done this. And I do appreciate your time. Wait, patience, really. Let's go ahead and get started in this uh, next story. You know, I've always had a high fascination with the sea. The vast below oceans that account for two-thirds of the Earth's surface. <laughs> I grew up on the west coast of Ireland enjoying the pristine and almost abandoned beaches facing out onto the cold and wild waters of the North Atlantic. My father served in the merchant navy for many years and he taught me how to sail. It was from him I learned about navigation, currents, and tides. See, Dad had many tales of adventures in the high seas, exotic locations, beautiful scenery, and wildlife, but also the danger and tragedy. He always warned me that the sea is treacherous, and it, it can drive you insane if you let it. I wasn't put off, however, and I spent a lot of my childhood dreaming of escape and adventure. I often wished I'd been born at an earlier time, when so much of the world was still a mystery, a blank space on the map, if you will. Having grown up in the latter half of the 20th century, I assumed that everyone on the planet had already been discovered. As it turned out, I was wrong. I'm a fully grown man now, in his early 40s. My naive, youthful exuberance has faded over the years. Nevertheless, I've never settled down, instead moving from place to place, continent to continent. Whenever the opportunity arose, my life has been shaped by wonderlust and a yearning for adventure. But there has been that one thing I've inexplicably not been able to escape no matter how far I travel. However, they always manage to find me. No matter where I go or how far I go. I often think back to that fateful day 30 years ago when I was 11 years old made a decision based on naivety and a youthful sense of wonder. To be fair, my younger self, there's no way I could have predicted the long-term implications of my decision. If only I had known what I was getting myself into, there's no way to turn back the clock. Now, as I face the end and feel nothing but fear and regret, I choose to share my story in the hope that it will prevent others from making the same mistakes. The tale begins on a hot summer day, back in 1991. I was taking our family dog Skipper on his morning walk. Skip was a black Labrador, very loyal, and his back's full of energy. Obviously, he's no longer around. I still have great memories growing up with him though. We walked a long, lonely stretch of a beach close to my house. As I previously said, I grew up on the west coast of Ireland, a beautiful part of the world and an amazing place to be a child, but not so great when you come of age and start looking for work. Our local beach was out of the way and rarely visited. This was before the tourist trade took off the hidden gems 
like our little beach were still protected from mobs and visitors. That morning I was enjoying the sunny weather and clear skies. And it's pretty rare in Ireland. And Skipper was having the time of his life. I let him off the lead to run the sands while I was looking out to the sea, daydreaming of adventure and escape. I was brought back to reality by the sound of Skipper's loud barking. I saw him at the water's edge, the tide washing over his paws, and struggled to dig something out of the sand. I suspected it was nothing more than a piece of driftwood, but curiosity got the better of me as I jogged the cross. Here, boy. I called, prompting Skip to back off and end his barking frenzy. Although, he continued to keep his eyes closed on the object. Bending over, I saw a green glass bottle washed up and half buried in the sand. The top of the bottle was sealed with a cork, making it watertight, and inside appeared to be a rolled up parchment of yellow paper. I felt a surge of excitement in that moment, realizing that I had stumbled across a genuine message in a bottle. Now, messages in bottles aren't exactly a common thing these days due to the onset of instant global communication, but they have a long and romantic history, dating back centuries. You'll probably be familiar with the hit song by Sting and several movies on this theme, but the original concept dates back to at least as far as the ancient Greeks. The basic idea is that you place a written note or communication in a sealed bottle, throw it out to sea, and eventually the bottled message will be carried by the ocean's currents and wash up on shore, possibly an entirely different continent. For obvious reasons, this isn't the most reliable or quickest form of communication, but there is an incredible lore built around the bottled messages. In my young mind, I associated such messages with shipwrecks, hidden treasures, castaways, and long-distance romances. Therefore, I was almost shaking with anticipation as I lifted the bottle and forced open the cork to read the note inside. I held images of SOS messages from a ship that sank decades ago, or from someone who was stranded on a desert island somewhere. Perhaps I could play a role in solving an ancient mystery or rescuing a castaway who had been given up for dead. I would be a latter-day hero. Looking back now, it all seems ridiculous, but I was 11 years old. Wanting adventure. At the very least, I thought I might establish a pen pal-type relationship with someone living overseas, which would be exciting enough, but in reality, I had no... of what horrors I would unleash by unsealing this bottle. The bottle itself was unremarkable. A thick green, but transparent glass. It looked old, but there was no identification. How old? Dry sand poured from its neck after I opened it, and I slid my index finger inside to fish out the note. The dog-eared parchment was delicate, so much that I feared it, it would fall apart in my hands. Therefore, I was very careful. When I unrolled the paper, I discovered... An undated letter written neatly in what appeared to be red ink. The ink was smudged in several places, making me think it had been written using an old-fashioned fountain pen, or perhaps even a quill. The content itself was more or less in modern English, in both the style of vocabulary made 
It seems like it was written by an educated person, although after reading the letter, I guess the author was a little more than a child. Fortunately, I have since lost the original letter, but I made a copy years ago, which I will transcribe here in full. Dear Sir, I hope this letter finds you in good health and spirits. I'm writing in the hope of establishing a correspondence and perhaps forming a bond that stretches across oceans. My name is Emil, and I live on a small island in Santiago with my mother and father. Our home is beautiful but isolated and sometimes dangerous. Winters are long and cold, and we are plagued by wild beasts. Ferocious bears, as big as cows, and white like swan, and a beast as large as an ox which lives in the sea. Two teeth in its mouth like those of an elephant. During the daylight hours, our island is covered with snow-white nesting birds, while a feathered umbrella of thousands more fly and screech above our heads. Nights are a time for caution, as demons stalk the land, hunting for victims. But we are too smart for them. As we always keep our health burning and our guns loaded, keeping the demons at bay. We come from hardy stock, you see. My ancestors were marooned here years ago, punished for their love and left to die in its unforgiving way. But they survived against the odds, starting a family and making this island their home. And here we've remained, cut off from the world but free. For mortal men still fear to tread on this land, and ships avoid our treacherous shoreline. You may wonder why I'm writing this account, good sir. I'll confess that I'm sending this message without my parents' knowledge or consent. Please don't judge me too harshly for my small act of rebellion. As much as I love my parents, I do get very lonely, and I yearn for a connection with the outside world. I should warn you. Establishing a correspondence with me is not without risk. There are nefarious powers that wish to prevent such things. Nevertheless, I ask that you take the risk, good sir. Please tell me about your life, your family, your home, and your hopes and dreams. I wish to know everything. I cannot tell you the location of my island, and it doesn't appear on any man-made map. What I can tell you is that any letter sealed in this bottle as the drift on the sea will reach me, and I will write back. I sincerely look forward to hearing from you. Yours faithfully, Emil. You know, I, I reread the note several times, over and over, my hands still shaking as the seawater washed over my ankles and Skipper waited patiently by my side. Now, looking back, with the benefit of hindsight, the bizarre letter contained a number of red flags, particularly that references the demons and mythical land. The most obvious explanation was that the note was an elaborate hoax, but I was a naive 11-year-old boy with a fertile imagination and lust for adventure. And so, all this talk about mystery islands and lost legends got me excited. I wanted to connect with the world and be part of this fantasy. I didn't tell any of my family members or friends about my discovery, not even my mom or dad. I don't know why exactly. I guess I thought they wouldn't believe me, or perhaps 
I just wanted to keep it as my little secret. In any event, the next day, I wrote a letter, sealed it in the bottle, tossed it over the cliff's edge, watching as it was carried out to sea into the green glass dissipated. I don't keep a copy of the letter, and I can't remember what I wrote all those years ago. Needless to say, it was a type of nonsense an 11-year-old boy would ask, telling Emil about myself and where I lived while asking her questions about her life on the island. Which sounded much more interesting than mine. The fact that I threw the bottle into the ocean expecting it to reach Emil was obviously ridiculous. If you want to establish a correspondence with someone, using a message in a bottle, you provide your address and contact details in the letter, allowing the finder to respond by conventional methods. The odds of a bottle message being released at random and somehow making its way across thousands of miles of ocean back to its original sender are virtually nil. Nevertheless, that's what I did. And I waited in vain to receive Neil's reply. As weeks, months, and eventually years passed by with no response, I was bitterly disappointed at the time. Nevertheless, I did do some research on the contents of Emile's original note as I tried to find some evidence to verify her story. That wasn't the easiest thing to do in the days before Google and Wikipedia, but I pieced together the tale from various books and historical records I tracked down over the years. The name... Santiago comes from the Portuguese for devil, and this is the name of the phantom island that appeared on the maps of North Atlantic during the 16th century, also known as the Isle of Demons. This mysterious and intriguing isle was allegedly populated by a curious mixture of odd animals, mythological, and evil spirits or demons, all of whom found common cause and tormenting civilized man. The location of the island differed depending upon the map, but it was widely believed to be somewhere off the coast of Newfoundland. There are many tales from the Isle of Demons, but the most famous is that the Marguerite de la Rogue, a French noblewoman who traveled on an expedition led by her uncle during the 1540s with the aim of establishing a colony in the New World. During the journey, Margaret entered a passionate love affair with one of the young officers on board. Her uncle discovered the illicit romance and punished his niece and her lover by putting them ashore on a dreaded Isle of Demons, where they were forced to fight for survival against savage beasts and evil spirits. The ultimate fate of Margaret and her officer lover is unclear, which some accounts saying they were eventually rescued by passing fish boats, while others claim they remain trapped on the island to this very day. The elements of Emile's letter matched up with the story. Other references were more difficult to explain, but I assume that she described as wild beasts were in actual fact polar bears, walruses, and colonies of gonnet birds, all being native to that region. But her talk of demons stalking the land and night were bizarre and unnerving. I spent many sleepless nights worrying about such things during my early teenage years, but when I got older, I wrote it all off as a hoax, moved on with my life, doing the things adolescence boys do, and planning for my future. 
I didn't hang around once I finished school, instead moving to Edinburgh to attend a university where I lived life to the full while someone attending enough lectures to obtain my degree. I wasn't ready to settle down into a 9-to-5 straight after university, so I did what many Irish students do, taking a gap year and traveling to live and work in Australia. I loved it out there, making new friends and entering into a spring of short-lived but exciting relationships I was definitely enjoying my life, party animal lifestyle, and thought little of the odd experience I had during my childhood, but then something happened which defied all logical explanation. I was living in Sydney at the time. It was early on a Sunday morning and I had been partying all night. I walked home alone on the beach just as the sun was rising nursing one hell of a hangover as I staggered across the stands. My plan was to go back to my place a couple hours of sleep, but fate intervened. I stopped dead in my tracks when I saw it, literally rubbing my eyes in disbelief. There it was, half buried in the sand, right by the water's edge. The green bottle washed up to the shore. I experienced a cold chill as I looked upon it. And as memories from my childhood came flooding back from a distance, the bottle looked identical to the one I had found on the beach in Ireland 10 years. But it must be a coincidence that I was thousands of miles away from my home on the coastline of an entirely different ocean. There was just no way it was possible. I reassured myself as I looked up and down the beach before I cautiously made my way along the sand, reaching out to grab the bottle with a shaking hand. Closer inspection, I was astonished to find the bottle was totally identical to the one I had discovered years before, even down to the cork sealing it tight. When I glanced through the transparent green glass, I saw a dog-reared yellow rolled up inside. I felt a mixture of intense emotions in that moment, but most of all, a dreadful sense of foreboding. I became paranoid, having the distant feeling that I was being watched. But when I scanned the beach again, I saw I was on my own. Part of me wanted to throw the bottle back out to sea, and you know, I never thought about it again. But I found I couldn't do so. I don't know why. But I had an uncontrollable urge to open the bottle, read the note contained inside. I wish I knew I might not like what I read, but nevertheless, I had to know the truth. I carefully removed the delicate parchment from the bottle, unrolling it to reveal the same handwriting I had read 10 years ago. However, the tone of the letter was noticeably darker. Dear sir, thank you for applying to my letter. You cannot know how much it means to me. I very much enjoyed reading about your home and family in Ireland. Sounds like a wonderful place, and I'd love to visit it someday. Alas, I no longer think this will be possible, for you see, my family situation has deteriorated since I last wrote my other letter. My father and mother have became ill. I don't know whether their illness is of the mortal world, or they've been cursed by supernatural entities. And in any event, they are often weak and thus unable to maintain our defenses during the long, dark nights. 
Therefore, it has been my task alone to keep the fire burning and the monsters at bay. The mortal beasts are vulnerable. Spare bullet. But not the demons. The night is their time. I see their shadows circling our cabin during the midnight hour, searching for weakness, always looking for a way in. And I hear their unholy roars through the storm. The hellish din shaking. The demons allow me no respite. Their attacks are consistent, and I can't remember the last time I slept. I am terrified and exhausted, but I must continue to fight for my parents and my family's legacy. When I feel the courage falter, I think of my ancestor Margaret, and she gives me strength. God does not dwell in this place, so I must survive my own wit. I am so sorry to be the bearer of such grim news, sir. I do not hope you will write back. I do hope you will write back. Our last letter bolstered my spirits. However, I received it, and the thought of continuing our correspondence gives me hope for the future. I wish you all the best fortune, and look forward to hearing from you. You're faithfully and forever, Emil. I stood there in a state, shocked for what seemed to be like an eternity. Reading the note over and over again as I tried to vain, make some sense of it all. There, there, there just was not any logical explanation I could fathom. Had someone been stalking me for the last ten years, waiting for their chance to drop the bottle in my pen? But how and why? Why would someone follow me to the other side of the world to play such an elaborate trick? It, ju it just didn't make any sense. But the only other alternative was that the note was genuine and Emil was real. I left the beach when the morning suffers, and I still feel extremely uneasy, but I'd recover from my initial shock and I devised a plan. I had a friend living in Sydney who was studying for his master's in archaeology at the University of New South Wales. He had access to lab equipment and after some bribery, I persuaded him to carry out carbon dating on the letter. I didn't tell him the full story, simply claiming that I had found the letter inside the cover of an old book and was curious of its orig origins. It took a couple of days for the results to come through, uh, it was a real tense wait, during which I could think of little else. I literally snatched the envelope out of his hands when it came to me. The results were unbelievable. The age of the parchment was impossible to determine with 100% accuracy. But, it was at least a century old, and perhaps dated back hundreds of years. What's more, the ink used to write the letter wasn't actually ink. It was dried blood. My heart rose when I read the report. As it seemed to confirm my worst fears, my friend made no comment on the letter's content. I got the distinct feeling that he wanted and over the results and wash his hands of the whole affair. I didn't blame him though, but unfortunately I didn't have the option of walking away from this. I couldn't stop thinking about Emil's letter and her chilling words. Who was she? Where was she? How could it be possible for a letter written centuries ago to be addressed to me? 
I had never believed in the supernatural, but what other explanation could there be? I spent many nights thinking about Emil, her horrific situation. The thought of this young woman alone, parents sick, as she to protect her home against evil. What kind of hell was she living in? What had this poor girl done to deserve such a terrible fate? I thought long and hard about my response. Going through several drafts before finally sealing the note and tossing the bottle back into the sea, I really did want to help Emil. I felt certain there must be some way I could save her. I guess you could call it a white knight fantasy, but I was coming from a genuine place. I didn't receive a response by the time I left Australia, but I had a feeling Emil's reply would on me eventually. I lived through the rest of my 20s before I heard from her again. I won't claim that I spent a decade pinning after Emil and dwelling upon the contents of her letter. I lived my life traveling, working various jobs, making and losing friends, and entering into several love affairs, none of which lasted very long. I never did settle down. Instead, moving from place to place, I had some good times for sure, but the darkness stayed with me. I never did forget about Emil and the Isle of Demons, or about that poor girl fighting to save her family. I thought about her more and more, the closer it claimed to the anniversary, and I knew where I needed to be during the summer of 2011. Newfoundland. I spent weeks out there on the North Atlantic coastline, pattering fishing boats at great expense to visit and search the isolated and often uninhabited small islands north of Newfoundland, including all those rumored to be true locations, legendary Isle of Demons. Found nothing. I don't know what I expected. Deep down, I knew I would never find a meal, but not. In the word. Not in the world, at least. On my last day on the island, I decided to walk the beach close to my hotel. I was only mildly surprised when I saw it, the green bottle washed to the shore. With the inevitable note carefully rolled up inside, I knew the routine by now. Not that this made things any easier. My heart was beating fast at my chest and my hands shook as I reached out to recover the message. The first thing I noticed was how Emile's writing had deteriorated from her last letter for a woman who wrote her correspondence in blood. Her penmanship had always been exemplary, but this time it was a little more than a scribble and barely legible. Clearly she had written the note in a hurry or a state of distress or probably both. This didn't bode well. I had a genuine sense of dread as I read her words, and she wrote, was this. Good sir, I thank you enough for your kind letter. You seem like a good man, and I have no doubt you would come to my aid if you could. I can feel your presence. You are so close, yet might as well be on the far side of the moon. I never regarded myself as a shrinking violin or a damsel in distress needing rescued. Far from it. Ever since I was young, I fought hard to survive, and I will continue to fight until my last breath, but alas, I fear my time is almost at an end. 
My beloved parents have passed away, and I can't remember when they died exactly. Time has been a way of playing tricks in this godforsaken place. I know my father passed first, my mother soon after, and I buried them both in the cold hard ground. It was all I could do. All on my own now, I'm so very tired. There was a storm last night, the worst one yet. The hailstones lashed down on the rocks from dusk to dawn. And the winds were so heavy, I feared that our little cabin would be blown to kingdom come. They came shortly after midnight. Their hellish cries so loud drowned out every other sound. I struggled so hard to keep the hearth alight and the barricades up, but in the end, my strength failed and he broke through. I don't believe I have the words to describe the evil I encountered in that moment. A minion of hell? Most definitely. A demon? Very possibly. But the creatures did not appear in the form I would have imagined. They took the shape of a man dressed in dark robes, a hood covering his head. He stood in my open doorway, and the wind and rain beating down heavily behind. But there wasn't a drop on him. I should have defended myself normally. I wouldn't have hesitated, but in that moment, I was frozen in fear. I watched on in terror as he slowly reached up with his bony right hand, removing his hood to reveal the horrors which lay underneath. I expected to see his face, but instead there was nothing but darkness. A black, empty void that shook me to my core. I felt like my immortal soul would get sucked into that damn void. There was nothing I could do to save myself. I was entirely at the monster's mercy, but just as I prepared for the end, he spoke to me. I don't know how, as he had no mouth, and yet he did. His voice was deep and raspy and bore no resemblance of a mortal man. He just spoke two words. Not tonight. And in the blink of an eye, he was gone, disappearing into a thin air, leaving the doorway open and the storm behind him. I was spared last night, but I strongly suspect the demon will not allow me to live for much longer. My time is coming and I must make my... I do appreciate your kindness and compassion, good sir. Your letters have brought me some joy in these dark times, and I do hope you will write me one last time before I meet my end. Take care, good sir. Yours faithfully and forever, Emil. There were tears in my eyes when I read her words, and I couldn't bear it to know Emil was going through hell and there was nothing I could do to help her. My 30s weren't a good time for me. I, I never did get back on an even footing, and my life slowly fell apart. I couldn't commit to a job or a relationship, but instead drifted, cutting myself off from my family and friends, and turning to alcohol and drugs to dull my pain. I guess depression was something I always had to deal with. But Emil's letter, the last one in particular, cast a dark shadow over me, one I was never able to escape. My depression grew worse, and the closer I got to my 41st birthday, it had been 30 years since I received my first letter from Emil, and her plans had always found me every 10 years. I don't know where I was, I could have gone anywhere in the world to mark this grim milestone, but I chose to come home back to the same beach where it all began. The old place changed a lot over the last three decades. My mom and dad both passed away years ago. 
And my old family home has been sold on, meaning I had to stay in a rental cottage. This part of the coastline has become something of a tourist trap in recent years, and the beach I used to walk is now packed with summer holiday makers. The truth is, I don't have much connection to the west coast of Ireland these days, but I still hold on to a few happy memories. I walked the beach early this morning, holding the crowds and keeping my eyes on the shoreline. I wasn't at all surprised when I saw it. The ominous green bottle sticking up from the sand. In a deep breath, I strode forward, my back creaking as I reached down to grab the glass bottle. I dreaded the prospect of reading the note. Emil had revealed true horrors to me in ten years ago. I doubted her situation had improved in the time since, but yet I had to read her letter. I spent the last ten years waiting for this. I felt faint as I unrolled the yellow parchment and read what turned out to be my destiny. And in the end, Emil's final letter was a short one, and what she wrote was this. I'm so sorry, good sir. You'll never know how much. You're a good man, and you don't deserve this. They made me do this, you see. I wish my strength had held, but I've reached my limit. They know about you now, and they're coming for you. Watch for the storm on the horizon. That's when you'll know they're close. I wish I could go or do more to repay your kindness, good sir, but in the end, our demons will always win. Godspeed, good sir. I pray that you find the peace which has eluded me. Words faithfully and forever, Emil. So, that's it. I'm no longer a bystander observing events from afar. The horrors are coming for me, and I, I don't blame Emil at all. In some ways, I think I was always destined to suffer this terrible fate. I can see the storm now, coming in from the ocean, heading straight for me. It's the worst I've ever witnessed. A sky filled with ominous black clouds, terrifying thunder and flashes of lightning. And the winds of hurricane, hoarse, and above the almighty din I can hear them. I can hear their hellish roars, their cruel, inhumane laughter. The demons are coming for me. I could try running, but deep down I know there's no escape. I wonder now how different my life would have been if I hadn't found that bottle all those years ago. Maybe I would have been spared. Or perhaps not. I wish I could give you some answers, but this is all I've got. My time is nearly up. I can hear the windows rattling under the sheer force of the winds. I can see their dark shapes emerging from the clouds to echo Emil's words. I just hope I can find peace. Thank you for listening. I uh, do appreciate it. Uh, more stories will be coming out. Don't worry. I'm not going to be gone for good anymore. I am hopefully here to stay. Thank you.